Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back. We are continuing the conversation over at the Rock Your Joy podcast about how we might rethink working moms and supporting them through all the stages of motherhood. If you've ever breastfed a baby, you know that the idea of leaving that baby to go on a trip and sacrifice not only the connection, but also the breastfeeding relationship that you created. How will the baby get milk? Is there enough milk? Have I pumped enough? Can be excruciating, not only physically, but emotionally. My guest today came up with a solution to this problem. Kate Torgerson is the founder and CEO of Milkstork, the first ever breast milk shipping company. Since launching in 2015, Milkstork's award-winning services have supported breastfeeding traveling moms at more than 700 companies, and Milkstork has delivered more than 3 million ounces of breast milk, helping traveling moms maintain their commitment to breastfeeding. Kate founded Milkstork out of a personal need while traveling as a senior executive at Cliff Bar & Company. After the birth of her twins, Kate faced a four-day business trip but was not willing to sacrifice the breastfeeding relationship she had struggled to achieve. Instead, she pumped relentlessly prior to the trip to create enough milk to ensure that they would have enough to eat while she was away. Then during the trip, she had to pump every three hours to maintain her milk supply. And after lugging two gallons of breast milk home and enduring a lengthy inspection by airport security, Kate arrived home exhausted, frustrated, and angry. There had to be a simple solution to this complex problem. Kate contacted her father, Silicon Valley veteran Mike Torgerson, with her idea, and together they created Milkstork. In August 2015, Kate officially launched Milkstork, and within a few days, Milkstork had landed its first enterprise partner, one of the world's largest consulting firms. Since then, Milkstork has become an essential benefit for progressive, family-friendly companies supporting more than 700 employers, including Pinterest, Viacom, Unilever, Activision, Blizzard, Nissan, Home Depot, Hilton, and many others. An advocate for working mothers, Kate has made it her mission to normalize pumping and motherhood in the workplace. When she isn't brainstorming innovative solutions to make breastfeeding easier, Kate is busy shuttling her three kids to their various sports activities, tackling her favorite Peloton ride, or trying desperately to get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to meet you and to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about what it is you do and what you feel is your mission. Yeah. So I'm Kate Torgerson. I'm the founder and CEO of Milkstork. And what we do is we help moms get their breast milk where it needs to go. And, you know, that really started with women who are traveling for work and running into attention where they wanted to continue breastfeeding, but having to leave for a period of time. And anyone who's breastfed a baby knows that you can't just turn off (laughs) breastfeeding. It's something that continues. So helping them bridge that gap and enabling them to stay connected with their ambitions, their professional ambitions, or whatever their ambitions are, 
um, but still enabling them to feed their babies. And I think really the the mission behind all of that is to keep women at the table <laughs> and to make sure that we have women staying engaged with the things that are important to them so that we can all benefit uh, from their their leadership, their accomplishments, their ambition, and the things that they put out into the world. Amazing. And let me just say, I love this concept. My youngest is seven. So I remember vividly, you know, when my first was breastfeeding and my husband actually was thinking about it yesterday, my husband had a work trip, a bonus that he'd earned, and they wouldn't let us bring our newborn. And so I had to, you know, pump relentlessly. I was I was working at home, so I wasn't pumping. And uh, I just remember the stress and even bringing the milk home as I was reading your story, I was just totally feeling you. So this is <laughs> this is a beautiful, beautiful solution that I absolutely love. Oh, and you. it was really born out of your own frustration, right? Yeah. So I have three kids. Um, my oldest is now 10, hard to believe. And I have twins that are also seven. Oh, cool. Um, and with my first child, I had breastfed him for 15 months. I always say it was like rainbows and unicorns. We had great latch, you know, great breastfeed, no supply issues. And it, it was perfect. Um, then with the twins, we really had a hard, a hard go of it. Um, I learned that every breastfeeding relationship is different, even if they're happening simultaneously. Mm. And we overcame, you know, tongue ties, weight gain issues, bad latches, you name it, we ran into it. And so when I was presented with a business trip, the twins were about seven or eight months old. And I just felt like we had we had invested so much in this breastfeeding relationship and I didn't want to jeopardize all that we had put into it. Um, and they hadn't had formula. So that would have been new for them. And it was in this moment, I could have easily said, I'm not going to take the trip. I was working for a very family-friendly company. I was working for Cliff Bar. They would have been fine with that, but I wasn't fine with that. So I went on the trip, uh, similar to what you said, I pumped relentlessly. I was producing a gallon of milk every two days. So a half gallon of milk every day. I pumped additional milk before I left so that my husband had a stash. And then, you know, at the end of that trip, I was lugging two gallons of breast milk home. And I, you know, standing in the TSA line with melting, I had to have ice because I had so much milk. I had put it in hard plastic bottles because I otherwise I'd put a million baggies. And it was frustrating. It was infuriating how little support um, moms have. I feel like every woman who's going through an airport security line with breast milk feels like she's the first woman ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go through an airport security (laughs) line with breast milk. And I was upset. I was mad. And I came back and I, I just felt like it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't, this shouldn't be the price that we have to pay. And that's where Milk Starf started. And so tell us a little bit about the journey. You know, you partnered with your father and I mean, it's an, it's a simple solution on some levels, but, but there must be incredible complexities to it as well. <laughs> yeah. So walk us through kind of that, that early piece of like. Yeah. The first, so the first day back literally the first day back, I called my dad and I I said, I have this idea. If we could just get the milk home, you wouldn't have to stockpile it before you left. You wouldn't have to manage it in the hotel mini fridge. (laughs) You wouldn't have to be carrying this, um, you know, 
luggage of milk around <laughs> throughout the Pre- day. You could the precious milk. Yeah, right? the precious <laughs> milk and um, carrying it all the way home. And uh, so really it was like, how do we, what's the solution that's going to work best for moms? What's the easiest thing, two minutes in a hotel room, you can pack your milk and just get it out of your hair. Um, so we really thought about it from a mom centric view, but yeah, it, it's not an easy solution because there is no other logistics system that has this already built. Because <laughs> um, really, you're shipping to a mom in one location; she's at the hotel, and then that's going on to a third location. You know, you don't do that with seafood. <laughs> you don't do that with any other kind of cold chain thing. So we had to kind of figure out how was this kind of e-commerce platform going to work? And then how could we make the logistics support this? And what was also going to be the right cooler for a mom that wasn't going to be something that was crazy complicated, that was going to be easy for her to use. Um, These are sleep deprived moms. We just wanted to like (laughs) make it as easy of a lift, frictionless experience as possible. And that's what we spent a good part of the beginning months fine tuning. And initially was geared for businesses to support their employees is that actually originally you know i i assumed that selling into employers was going to be really hard because moms i already knew so many moms who were pumping in closets and uh, in kind of subpar conditions really i wanted to provide an immediate solution to moms and what ended up happening um which is great and uh, it speaks to the empowerment that moms felt um, they asked their employers to re- reimburse them. And that's what created demand with employers. So moms were advocating, you know, if you're going to make me take this sales, go to the sales conference, um, please, the least you could do is send my milk home. And that will enable me to perform for the company uh, without sacri- making a sacrifice that I don't want to make. So they really became our army. And that's what brought employers to us. And so if someone who's not employed by a company, they can just use Milk Stork yes. on on their own. So yes. if I was breastfeeding today and wanted to take a trip, I could just and do you, how do, so how does it work? Do you have the packaging delivered to that mom and then that's sort of how she gets it back to wherever it's going? So everything ships to her hotel. Um it's waiting for her when she gets there. Um she pumps according to her normal schedule, refrigerates her milk. Uh, we also have frozen options where actually the only offering that has a frozen non-dry ice solution. <laughs> so you don't have to deal with dry ice. For if you have frozen milk, you just pack it up. Um, everything's pre-labeled, pre-addressed, drop it at FedEx or with the, the front desk if you're staying at a hotel mm-hmm. and an overnight's home. Amazing. So it's no fuss, no muss. <laughs> I just, as you were talking, I was having memories of driving around Napa looking for like, who, how can I get this milk home? (laughs) Who can take it home for me? (laughs) Get this to my baby. So that's incredible. And um, how has the pandemic changed your business? Because it's changed it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So obviously, most a lot of people aren't traveling. Although it's it's amazing how many people are traveling because we are actually getting orders. But um, there's a few areas that where we are still helping support uh, breast milk shipping. So we've actually supported several studies that are doing research on COVID and breast milk Mm. and um, supported those studies with logistics. And that's been very exciting. And just to be involved in a COVID solution and um, is uh, brings a great sense of purpose to us. Um, We also are supporting surrogates and families that have used surrogates. So 
now if you have a baby with a surrogate, a lot of the time she'll continue to provide breast milk over a period of time. So we've developed a, a solution to help surrogates. And then I would say one of the, the most important things that we've been working on is helping employers kind of meet these pain points that working parents are having right now with, you know, we have an, a virtual lactation support. So we have an off, offering of benefits that employers can use uh, right now and deploy very easily um, to support, um, especially mo- working moms in that first year, uh, virtual lactation support, breast milk nutritional testing. Uh, we have childcare options and learning pod options and just making it easy for employers to provide these solutions to families right now, instead of having to kind of vet these, you know, vet, go through a process of vetting all these um, solutions independently. I would imagine that there's sort of a misnomer that, oh, now you're working at home <laughs> with your brand new baby, so it's easier on some level, but it's just as complicated to be juggling all the things. I don't think any working parent has it easy right now. No. And, uh, um, I, I really do. So my, my kids are, you know, seven and 10, but I, I think of those, those two-year-old, those moms of two-year-olds and moms of, um, crawlers and diaper changes and a nap schedule and breastfeeding and trying to work through that where you are the primary source of comfort, nutrition mm-hmm. and care. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and my heart goes out to him because it's, it, it, I can't even imagine what the, the last 10 months mm-hmm. have been like. Yeah. So is, are you continuing to kind of diversify the support you're giving to those parents with older kids as well? Well, so we do offer, we have some childcare, several virtual childcare, place childcare, and this is working with um, premium partners in the space okay. um, where we're able to to provide these, these solutions to employers that are already offering Milk Stork as a breast milk shipping service. So I think the challenge with childcare, though, is, and you probably feel this, there's not one solution that works for any one family. Right now, the childcare challenge is vast, diverse, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's no silver bullet with childcare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely complex. And, you know, especially families with different age children yeah. and not wanting, you know, you don't necessarily want to, the solutions that we used to have, let's bring someone into the house or, you know, we're just all the things that we kind of reach for out of old habit. We're like, oh, can't do that. Nope. Can't do that. Can't rely on family. Um, right. I think I think that's been a big hit for American families is that when you were relying on family members, you know, to bring down your childcare costs, which are astronomical for most American families, that's not really an option anymore especially if the if they're older caretakers like grandparents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So go back with me to the conversation about starting this business with your dad. Um, so he was someone who was in, you said Silicon Valley, so kind of understood logistics maybe. What was that like working with family? And was he always <laughs> that kind of mentor for you? Well, to my dad's credit, when I first called him and said, Hey, I have this idea. He hit the, the first words out of his mouth were, where do we start? Mm. He didn't even hesitate for a second. He, he does not have a background in the logistics and I certainly don't have a background in logistics. And I think that that was a benefit to us because we didn't come in with any preconceived ideas on how <laughs> cold chain logistics should work. And we were immediately trying to bend that industry to our, to the will of moms. Um, mm. But he is a quant. I call him, a, you know, 
uh, he's a University of Chicago quant. He understands systems and efficiencies. And so he was instrumental in figuring out how these logistics were going to work while I kind of figured out how moms were going to engage with this brand and uh, what their experience was going to be. Working with my dad in typical quant form, he's very much an introvert. And what I think the biggest change and the biggest gift of running Milk Stork with him is that we talk every single day which probably would not have been the case if Milk Stork did not exist because uh, he's not the kind of guy who's just going to pick up and call, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And not only that, we're actually working through, you know, real challenges and we face problems and challenges together. And that's just um, kind of a different relationship than you have, uh, you know, that I've had for 47 years with my dad. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So he's still involved in the company. Oh, yeah. He's still, he's our chief operating officer. That's great. I'm sure your kids are like, what are you doing with grandpa now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they call him Bada. So he's, they're, they're always like, you and Bada run Milk Stork, right? Yeah. And the, but they don't have any idea what my husband does for a living. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, so in terms of like now you are, you know, your kids are older and you're, you're CEO, you're, you're in that same position of like running a company are you, I should ask this too, are you, is Milk Stork just in the United States or are you we in other have, countries? Yeah, so we actually uh, ship globally. So um, yeah, we, Amazing. We've, I think we, I want to say we've, we shipped to over 70 countries. So we, we've been international. Yeah. Okay. Is, so you're running an international company, <laughs> <laughs> managing the day-to-day at home of, you know, the pandemic. How has that kind of changed you as a person and your outlook of, because you're, you obviously are a problem solver. I just love the initiative you took of, we got to fix this. This is a huge problem. And so how has it changed, you know, being, as we said, kind of in this place of so many things we can't fix and change? It's interesting. You know, I feel like I've gone through phases in the the pandemic at first, in the beginning, I was like, all right, I got this. We're going to do this. <laughs> One, two, three, X, Y, Z. Well, you know, it was when the horizon was much shorter, I felt like, all right, this will be an adventure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I think going back to school in September was when I got kind of hit with the second wave of like, they're going to be, this is going to be how it is for like a year (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like maybe, you know, maybe through new year's. And I did feel like exhaustion. And I think that's when I really had to have a reckoning with stress. I think I more readily dismissed stress in the, the, what do people calling it? The before times. Right. (laughs) Um, And in September, I realized that I needed to address stress and not dismiss stress. And for me, I also had to identify the things that were going to do that. I, I, I have to go outside every day. I have to work out. I've kind of re-engaged with reading, which was something, you know, mm-hmm. with three kids. I was not a good reader and now it's a daily practice and kind of bringing in a daily practice of things that are small, but joyous. It's not the trip to Hawaii. <laughs> It's sitting outside and watching rain fall and drinking coffee and not having a device. And that is my vacation. And I need it. It's not even a vacation. I would say it's, it's, it's a necessary needed essential part of my day now. Yeah. 
it's boundaries in a way. It's self-care, uh-huh. right? It's real, true self-care. Like mom needs this. I need to pour into my cup so I can go and give to you all and, you know, run this company and do all of these things once and the innovate. Mashup, yeah. Once the mashup happened of like when the boundaries between work and life totally went away, I think we were all forced to kind of con- reconstruct them. Mm-hmm. And it took a while to figure out how to do that successfully um, yeah. because they are they are not based on space, spatial relationships <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are based on uh, initiative. <laughs> I tell myself to go with the flow a lot during the day. Oh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and just forgiving yourself. What can I let go you know? of? Yeah, just forgiving yourself. There's, so, uh, it, there's no way to win at the current game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So true. So, so true. And what does Milk Stork have coming up? What's Are you working on new innovations or new ways to serve moms? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we launched actually, I want to say 12 products last year. We, with supporting surrogacy and supporting labs that gave us new areas to go into, um, we are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of people starting to travel. I think there's some pent up demand and then, you know, uh, making sure that employers are armed <laughs> with good benefits for parents. We've lost so many women in the workforce over the past year. And uh, I think when we're, the purpose of Milk Stork, you know, is to keep those women in the pipeline. <laughs> we cannot lose them out of the pipeline. Yeah. I had a, a conversation two weeks ago, um, really centered on this idea that we are, and if you read almost any the New York Times, I think it was in Forbes, like women are dropping out of the workforce in huge numbers and many of them are moms. Yeah, I would, a few, yeah. big most, chunk, yeah. most. Um, and I think, I, you know, it's interesting because I hear moms ringing the bell, mm-hmm. but I don't see anybody else ringing the bell right now. Employers are motivated to retain moms, but I think it's it's been hard just based on what they're up against. They can't offer every single benefit to solve every single problem that parents are facing right now. So there there does need to be some structural support for American working families. Why do you think it is that moms are the only ones ringing the bells? Because we're ringing the ones. The bell. We drowning. are the ones drowning. Yeah. We are the ones drowning. Uh, we carry the majority of the unpaid work at home. We have the safety net on the education system. We are the safety net on the caregiving system. We, you know, forty percent of American families are the the primary breadwinner is a mom. We make less than our male counterparts. So there's, you know, we did a survey of three hundred and twenty milk stork moms, and we found that there was a startling percentage that are actually paying to work right now because their child take home. Take home salary is more than their childcare payment. Wow. Why continue mm-hmm. to work if that's the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real, it's going to be the aftermath of it will be interesting to see how we can recover, right? And get those women back into the workforce. Yeah. And that's where I'm, I, I, I'm really hopeful that employers will activate recruiting for women who have left because the hardest thing is once you're out to get back in and to bring those women back and to make an effort to bring them back. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, I think what you brought up at the beginning, this idea that really strong maternal benefits, because one of the things that I've always felt strongly about is 
this idea of, you know, women were just, were forced to choose, as you mentioned, like I, I built up this relationship with my breastfeeding baby or even women who are exclusively pumping or whatever their choices are about, you know, their children, it's the relationship with their baby and then the relationship of their work. And, you know, as someone has said, you know, no one asks dad if he's going to give up his job when baby comes. It's just solely falls on women. And so we need a lot more support, not just around breastfeeding moms, not just around, you know, the pandemic, the pandemic has highlighted the problem. Oh yeah. It's in full focus. And I think um, what I am hopeful too about is that, I mean, as hard as we, as hard as the last 10 months have been, I think the, the things that has brought forth has activated us, you know, whether it's racial injustice or we're talking about working parents, there's some undeniable forces at work in the, in the U.S. that need to be addressed. And I think another thing that we have seen is working fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And that identity has become a visual that didn't exist before. And I'm hopeful that companies will also be encouraging men and, and fathers to take their leave. Mm-hmm. And that will help kind of balance the scales. And the assumption won't always be that it's the mom. Right. That, that parents operate as a unit. <laughs> as a as a partnership and that that role is as important and helps you know the assumption right now is that all it is women who will take care of it and by activating and bringing that male fatherhood to light we can actually balance the scales a little bit yeah it feels like a lot of the dads that i talked to actually had their own awakening and idea of what it's like to really be so involved. And I think there's going to be a rearrangement in general, like, because we've just kind of broken up the habits and given those dads a chance to see that, gosh, it really would be nice to be home making dinner and be more a part of this life that I've been missing. And so, yeah, I think there are some shuffling potentially going to happen. Yeah. The new normal will be interesting. Yes, I know. I was thinking when you were saying that, like, I remember having conversations and talking about, you know, well, the pandemic, like, as in some anticipation that it would be over really soon. (laughs) And now we've just all kind of settled in for the marathon. I think that that was one of the hard things in the beginning was predicting. Mm -hmm. Like, there was this every day I was like, okay, is it going to be like, just trying to predict and plan and predict and plan and predict and plan. And I think uh, as, as I was saying, like, there's a certain point where I gave up on that. And mm-hmm. it was, this is it. <laughs> there's no predicting anymore. We're just, yeah. <laughs> we're just taking it day it. by day. <laughs> yeah, We're in it. Yeah. We're in it. And there's a surrender to that, a beauty to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're trying to, we were trying to kind of navigate our way out of it before we were even in it. So yeah, I think at least for me, the more I, and everyone I talk to who's just admitted to some surrender it's a little bit easier. You're not kind of, you know, waiting, waiting for it to end. It's like, just find life right now in it. It's the serenity prayer. There's the things in the world you can control and there's the things you can't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about your self-care and your, um, the ways you're finding, you know, those moments for yourself. And as you think about the word joy and, this podcast, um, which ironically we started right as the pandemic started. And so I, <laughs> I didn't really plan it, but it became 
you know, conversations about finding joy in the chaos became about finding joy no matter what our outer circumstances are. So as you think about, you know, the next season and what you've learned, how are you cultivating joy? What's bringing you joy as you look forward and back? I actually am not so much anchoring my joy in what's forward and back. The real learning for me is anchoring my joy in the present. <laughs> mm, yep. Um, and I think that playing a board game with my kids at night during dinner, uh, spending this much time with my family, going for a walk, it's so much, I, I've come to appreciate that it's so much about the little things in the moment instead of the planning of something ahead of me or something that was the way it was in the before times. So um, really it's about being present. Yeah. I mean, that is it. Yeah. And that's a gift you can take with you, right? That's definitely (laughs) to be present and, um, and to really be showing your kids that, I mean, I think it's remarkable to be in this time to have lived through this and to be able to have that wisdom for your kids to learn. Cause this is incredibly oh challenging for them too. How much have we learned from them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've learned so much from our kids during this. They have adapted so much better than so many of us. And with uh, enthusiasm and I mean, not with, not without difficulty, but they really do bend with the wind. And I think, I've, I've watched them and I've learned from them in this. Yeah, absolutely. They are our greatest teachers. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to admit that in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Never admit it to them, but it no, is true. <laughs> but it is true. They really do kind of mirror everything we need to know. Um, so, well, I am so excited to have had this conversation with you. I don't plan on breastfeeding any more babies, but <laughs> I just, I'm you know, thrilled for my audience that can share this information. I just love supporting mothers and I love that, you know, that's really what Milk Stork is doing. So we'll link all of the um, Milk Stork links in the show notes so people can find um, and can use it because we will travel again one day and we do need support right now. Um, And so I'm thrilled that you and Milk Stork exist to provide that support. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be on the show. My pleasure. Really great talking to you. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.